Steve, we don't have Adam Wilde on the show today, so I'd like you to do an impression of Adam Wilde with no voice saying, uh, go to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with the code Dangle. Go to manscaped.com, promo code Dangle, free shipping, 20%. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. S-D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Daddy. What? Daddy. Ooh, on a radio. Adam. Yeah, you want to listen to him? What? He didn't say yes, but what was that? That was uh, Leo and yeah. and uh, his mother, aka my wife, um, Mrs. Dangle. Mrs. Dangle. They listen to Adam every morning on the radio. No, is that so? Leo says, "I want to hear Adam." I thought he said "Daddy." Well, he did at first. <laughs> okay. And also, he's uh, he's he's working on it because I, I wear my SDPN shirt, and the other day he goes "Daddy," and then he points it at him. He goes "Adam," and then he points at you, and he goes "Tits." So he's, Tits? he's still he's getting you and Chris confused. Chris Johnston, yes, not producer Chris. No, <laughs> no, that's a long throwback one. So Leo, yeah. Leo doesn't know producer Chris. You're saying. No, no, oh, no! Okay. That was long before he was born. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't catch up on all the previous episodes. You didn't go back in the archives and listen to episode one. He's not. He hasn't done that yet. He's like a bandwagon SDPN guy. <laughs> he's, he's, he doesn't know the lore. Yeah, you know? yeah. He just joined like through the pandemic. You know, he doesn't. Get we appreciate all back on tracksuit and all no, that. No, and, no. no. <laughs> well, Leo, catch up one day. One day. One day, Leo will understand what you do for a living. Yeah, I th- figured we would start this kids' table episode with an actual kid. It was, it was adorable. His he's, voice is is just majestic. He's not even two. Oh, he turns two, two in three weeks, something like that. Yeah, yeah, Very around soon. there. I think SL SL told me about a, a little get together you're having for Leo, and you didn't even mention that. And I see you three times a week. Uh, yeah, I'm irresponsible. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> you are quite irresponsible Sorry. Oh, man. Like, oh, goodness. Where would I be if I didn't yell into a YouTube camera? The zoo. No, I'd be fired by now. Like, for sure. I think you could stick out at the zoo. I was late for that job, too, though. Like, so. you, you, would, you would survive the zoo, Steve. Give Maybe. yourself more credit. Yeah. You'd probably move up. I got by on my charm. You'd be like manager of the zoo. You'd be zoo Ooh, manager. Would I be manager? Zookeeper. That's the word I'm looking for. I did make it up to GL, which is group leader. That's good. That for the tours? Uh, no, no, never for the Zoomobile. So I was the, I was like one of the only people who worked the Zoomobile, which is the zoo tour, who didn't drive. Like you didn't have your license. Yeah. I took one of the courses, yeah. but, um, I never ended up taking my test, my air brake test. Because you're too irresponsible. That is, I did honestly, I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you but, other, other more important things to do. Well, I didn't want to drive, but also, um, most of the people working there, if given the choice between driving and commentating, would drive mm-hmm. because it's easier. There's there's less um, dealing with customers and everything. And I was like, well, I kind of want to do this for a living. So, and I I saw it as far less responsibility than driving a giant bus around a. Uh, a zoo packed with people so i'm like yeah i'll do the tour yeah and i think the majority of people would be like no i have a fear of public speaking i don't want to interact with all these customers that sort yeah. of stuff yeah well, well you're the complete opposite but like that that thing can fit 80 people and on a busy day i would do eight to ten tours so like that's a lot of people 80 people is a lot to be driving around yeah man and you're what 19 uh 20? no i was a little older so yeah maybe like 23 23 22 bus load of 18 80 people that's a lot. Oh, and some of them are thrilled. Some of them are real pissed. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are just hot. It's been a long day. They yep. got kids, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Canadian domain was always the funniest because so for those of you who don't know. What is Canadian domain? So it's the Canadian part of the zoo. So it's all the Canadian animals in a zoo in Canada. It was surprisingly popular. Tourists loved it. But the problem was Canadian domain is at the bottom of a hill on about a 60 degree angle. So it would just be like we had a stop at the top of it and it would just be people going <laughs> like just dying, gasping for air. Um, they were usually the quietest customers and it wasn't until we got to the next stop where they were like, this is, this is, I didn't bargain on this. This is really hard. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like, but you went down the hill. You knew you would have to go back up it. Anyway. Yeah. People are silly. So today's how today's show is going to work. It was we're going to we're going to kick it off with uh, Rick Westhead's article yesterday on the settlement that Hockey Canada reached with a woman who alleges sexual assault against members of the 1718 World Junior Team. And then we're going to bring on David Bastel for You Can Bet That. We're going to play some ads and then we're going to hop over to the Battle of Alberta and the kick goal. And then we're going to do a little St. Louis, uh, Colorado, because they magically kept their season alive. So that's the structure of the show. And before we do all that, I, I, need to, I need to say this one little part. Today's Steve Dangle podcast will feature graphic descriptions of and references to sexual assault. Please be warned that this content may be disturbing and triggering to some of you who listening or watching right now. Also be advised that if you have any children who listen along with you, or if you yourself are underage, this content will not be appropriate for all audiences. Yesterday, Rick Westhead released a report that revealed that Hockey Canada and the CHL have settled a lawsuit over alleged sexual assault involving members of Canada's gold medal winning 17-18 junior team. Now, Steve, this is going to take a little bit here. 
Yeah, that's, I a, that's totally fine. I have a section of, of Rick Westhead's piece that I'm going to read directly from because I feel like this important information needs to get out there. The woman who alleges whose allegations are detailed in court records filed in Ontario Superior Court in London, Ontario on April 20th claimed she was repeatedly assaulted while intoxicated in a hotel room following a Hockey Canada Foundation gala and golf event in the city in June of 2018. Hockey Canada and the CHL were named as defendants in the case and were as were eight unnamed CHL players including but not limited to members of Canada's under-20 men's junior hockey team. That's a very important excerpt that we'll come back to. Yes, we will. The allegations against the players were never proven in court, and none of the defendants filed a response. The the plaintiff identified in court records as EM asked a judge to award $3.55 million, and Robert Talek, the plaintiff's London-based lawyer confirmed to TSN his client accepted a settlement in the case. He refused to say whether the woman has signed a non-disclosure agreement as part of her settlement. In response to the article that came out yesterday, Hockey Canada also came out and uh, responded to TSN. Their spokeswoman said, As soon as Hockey Canada became aware of this matter in 2018, we contacted local police authorities to inform them. The same day, we also retained Heinen Hutchison, LLP, a firm with extensive experience in this area, to undertake a thorough, independent, internal investigation and make recommendations on areas for improvement, which we have been implementing and will continue to pursue. The person bringing the allegations forward chose not to speak with either police or with Hockey Canada's independent investigator and also chose not to identify the players involved. This was her right, and we fully respect her wishes. We have settled this matter, and as part of that settlement, we will not be commenting further. And Le- her, her lack of participation is common. Yes, and, we, and there's, a, there's a section in the article that she speaks about her lack of uh, reporting to the police. London Police Service spokeswoman sat, uh, wrote in a statement, I, I don't want to screw up her name, so I'm going to gloss over it wrote in a statement to TSN that the department does not comment on alleged criminal investigations. Uh, The CHL president also wrote in a statement that the league was notified about the lawsuit in early May and was deeply troubled by the allegations. According to the lawsuit, the alleged assaults took place in the early morning of June 19th, 2018, during a two-day Hockey Canada event in London. The World Junior team was being honored by uh, for winning the gold medal and beating Sweden 3-1. The defendant, uh, the defendant players allegedly bought the woman a number of alcoholic beverages and shots, and she became separated from her friends, growing more intoxicated as the night progressed. The plaintiff said she showed evident signs of intoxication, including glassy-eyed slurred speech, as she left the bar with one of the players, John Doe 1 and went with him to the Delta London Armories Hotel. After she engaged in sexual acts with him, John Doe 1 invited the remainder of the John Doe defendants into the room without the knowledge or consent of the plaintiff, the lawsuit alleges. According to the lawsuit, the players directed her to fondle her genitals, perform oral sex on them. The players also allegedly straddled the plaintiff while placing their genitals in her face, slapped the plaintiff on her buttocks, spat on her, ejaculated in and on her, engaged in vaginal intercourse with her, pressured her 
from leaving the room when she tried to and engaged in other sexual activities with her. The plaintiffs alleged that the actions of the players amounted to conspiracy because the players allegedly encouraged her to drink alcohol, isolated her from her friends, engaged in sexual acts with her, pressured her not to leave when she made an effort to do so, directed her to say that she was sober while being video recorded, and directed her to have a shower after the sexual assaults had concluded. She also alleged that the John Doe defendants pressured her not to report the players to police and to not cooperate with criminal investigation after it was initiated. That's the, that's the uh, concludes the part from Rick Westhead's story. It broke yesterday, uh, midday, and after the story broke, the NHL did respond directly to the story, and they released an official statement that says, Two days ago, the National Hockey League was advised of a lawsuit involving sexual allegations filed against eight unnamed members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. We were subsequently provided with the statement of claim containing allegations of behavior that is both abhorrent and reprehensible. We will endeavor to determine the underlying facts and to the extent this may involve players who are now in the NHL. We will determine what action, if any, would be appropriate. We will have no further comments at this time. This is where we're at right now, Mm -hmm. and Rick Westhead is going to join us on this show on Monday. Uh, not on Monday. Not Monday. Um, but soon. We haven't figured out a date, but he's coming okay. on. Next week, hopefully? Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully. Okay. Rick um, Westhead if, will if be If not on. next week, then, then the following. Uh, he's busy. He's a busy guy. He's working on uh, a lot of things, and this is a story that I assume he's, he's worked on for a very long time. Um, it goes without saying, the allegations are awful. They're grotesque. And, uh... You know, like a lot of you, I couldn't help, but I mean, basically all of hockey Twitter did the exact same thing. They're like, okay, who was on that team? And that team is almost exclusively in the NHL or has played NHL games, almost exclusively NHL draft picks. But there was an excerpt there that I told you to flag Mm -hmm. and I have it here in my phone um, that caused a bit of confusion. So here's, here's the excerpt. Hockey Canada and the CHL were named as defendants in the case, as were eight unnamed CHL players, including but not limited to members of the Canada U-20 men's junior hockey team. Uh, the hockey players are identified in the 18-page statement of the claim as John Doe's 1 through 8. So again, eight unnamed CHL players including but not limited to members of the Canada U-20 men's junior hockey team. Mm -hmm. So what that means and what some people seem to be confused by or how some people seem to interpret it is, okay, there were members of the Canadian World Junior Hockey Team included in the eight. But remember, this wasn't at the gala. This was at like a bar afterwards. So in theory, uh, some of the uh, defendants could have had friends of theirs who were on CHL teams who were also at the bar and they then became involved in the incident. So could have been one player from the Canadian world junior team could have been seven, could have been four, could have been who knows. Then new piece of information comes out afterward. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is intentional. I think this is a mistake. 
the from the hockey Canada statement that I just read, though there's one line that clarifies what you were saying about the CHL players. So NHL statement on lawsuit against Hockey Canada and Canadian Hockey League. You just read this, but I want to emphasize read it the, again. Read the sentence that you think is very important. So, uh, I'll just read the whole thing, Jesse. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Here, here it is again, everyone. <laughs> Two days ago, the National Hockey League was advised of a lawsuit involving sexual allegations filed against eight unnamed members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. So this statement slam dunks it as all eight defendants were part of this world junior team. Taking the information then from the article that came out before that, it's eight members of a, what is it? 22 man roster? 23? 23, I think it would be. That's That's an enormous chunk. That's over a third of that team. But, from the original reporting, from the statement in the original reporting, it would seem to include only CHL players from this World Junior team, which would exclude the players on the Canadian World Junior team who were, at the time of their involvement with Hockey Canada, playing in the NCAA. Okay. So it's not eight out of 22 or 23. It's eight out of like... 18 or 19, mm-hmm. right? Because there were players and I, I really don't want to get into games because I don't, or, or names, because I don't think a game of guess who is appropriate that here. Is, that it's unfair to those people. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you were one of the innocent parties, wouldn't you want to shout it from the rooftop? Right. Um, but basically, um, you look at the roster and there were several NCAA players on the roster the initial report concludes that all the players are from the CHL. And then the NHL statement says that all the players are from the Canadian world junior team from 2018. So either one or both of those parties who released those statements has made some sort of error Hmm. that they should rectify immediately, or they accidentally told on themselves a little bit. And narrowed it down. And I looked at the roster like a lot of you. Massive names. Oh, yeah. Stars. That's, that's, the, that's the one thing that really jumped out to me. It was just the amount of current NHL day stars who are playing in all-star games, who are amongst the top 10 most talented players in the league. Yep. And I think that's why fans jumped on the part where they were like, okay, um, we know it's it's eight people from this team in particular because fans are scared to own this person, this guy's jersey. They're yep. they're afraid to go to the arena and cheer for them if they were somebody who was involved in something like this that's so disgusting and grotesque. Members of that team are either award winners or future award winners. They're all stars, like you mentioned. Um, members of the Blackhawks organization, which is worth flagging because if any team is going to want to get something as right as possible, you'd think it'd be them. And some members of that team are currently overseas wearing a team Canada Jersey playing for hockey Canada. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here we are again, it's an inconvenient time of year for 
this sort of news to be breaking. Inconvenient for the hockey, like the NHL. Yes. Yeah. But um, if I'm not mistaken, Rick Westhead's reporting on uh, what w- would later become the Kyle Beach story uh, began in May. It first broke in May of 2021. And we followed it all throughout the summer. This is huge. This is, uh, I'm sure I don't need to drive home how important the story is. Um, and I don't think, I don't see how they can do nothing here. I don't see how the NHL can do nothing. Now this, um, the, the survivor, um, got a settlement and she seems to want just privacy and peace. Um, I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what the outcome of all this is. Me I'm kind of, I'm kind of stumped. Me neither. I'm not going to lie. I think it's, it, it's right now we're going to ask Rick about this. Obviously he's the one who's going to have some indication on how it's going to move forward, but I'm not, I'm, I don't want to play the guessing game on how I think this is going to unfold or, what the NHL is going to do, but there's going to be a subsequent statement. There's going to be something else. There's the, hopefully there's another shoe to drop. And like with the Kyle beach situation and how that unfolded over several months, I hope it's the same way from the fans of the game of hockey, where we don't let them forget this, that we are very upset and we continually hammer at this story as, as long as it's on the top of our minds and we keep it there. You know, we can't let it go away because if, if we let it go away, then then there's nothing else. But I, I hope that there's something coming, you know? Well, even the beach story, when it first broke, it was it was sort of, um, I don't want to say broken interest. People seem to be questioning. They're like, is this a big deal? Mm-hmm. This seems like a big deal. Should we be discussing this? Because it kind of seems like a big deal. And we all sort of had that conversation and sometimes like we're, we're not a news breaking podcast, right? We're a reactionary podcast. We react to the news. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the times where you and I and Adam looked at a story and went, this is not getting nearly enough attention. Um, I would like to think that the community at large has learned over the past year and this, I don't know, news cycle, I guess we could call it, um, will go a little differently. Uh, that's going to play out over the weeks and months. I'm going to say, I, I don't want to name names on their reporting in the store. So this isn't like calling them out or anything. But the first, when Cal Beach first came out, nobody talked about it in, out in the mainstream hockey media. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, everybody shied away from commenting on the story, from reporting it, from following up to looking into it. And then now we see, okay, now we have another incident where, where it's a, it's a terrible act of sexual assault among hockey players, some maybe currently in the NHL. And at least 
I saw during the middle of a playoff game, they had Friedman talk to McLean and he and he just he said the the story is something that exists. You know, he described that the lawsuit happened. They at least acknowledged it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That's Obviously, yeah. I was streaming. <laughs> you're you're in the middle of your own intermission. Yeah. But at, we're it's it's such a it's such a baby step, and I wish they would go further. But at least now we're in the realm of people recognizing their mistakes from what happened with Kyle Beach and the reporting on that. And now we're getting an actual, okay, the story broke. Let's go to television and talk about it. Yeah. That's that's at least one step forward. I would like to see more leaps being made, but at least it's a step. Yeah, it's this is a tough one. I can't wait to talk to Rick because there are a number of legal roadblocks in the way here. Yeah. Um I don't know if we'll ever know the full story. Mhm. And if if that's if that's what the victim wants, then that's where we have to leave it. I mean, you have to respect their wishes, don't you? Mm-hmm. I that's uh I'm not going to lie, I don't know how this ends. Me neither. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's a heavy day yesterday, yeah. man. Like it we we were we were talking about it like okay what do you what do you want to talk about first mm-hmm. and uh and I was like yeah I spent most of yesterday like you know kind of freaking out and you were like why and you were, and you thought it was like something work related I'm like no there was a shooting on my parents street right right so it's it's been a it's been a difficult week for the world yeah if, if you follow uh the events in America and um yeah, so that that's where that's where we're gonna leave the story. We're not gonna let it die. We're gonna follow up. Ne- we're gonna follow up whenever Rick can come on. As soon as he can come on, we're gonna have him on the show, and that's mm-hmm. where we're gonna follow up. And and um, as I said off the top of the show, um, it's it's a very difficult conversation. And if if you know anybody, or if you or yourself need any resources for uh, victims of sexual assault, they will be in the description of this podcast below. Uh, find those links. We have uh, Canadian and American links there. So if you need those resources, uh, please go to those links. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a little different than uh, podcasting with Adam because I, I like my physical pieces of paper and notes. I get I do that. When I do the shows. Yeah, you get that? I get that. Like something tangible to hold and like I'm an old news desk guy. Stepping mm. uh, and putting the papers down and sitting back and t- tightening my tie. I, uh, <laughs> but I find them to be, uh, first of all, I'm getting more and more blind. So the font needs to be bigger and bigger. Um, but also, I'm not a good read and look up guy. When I read, I need to read. 
you got you got to put it in front of your face. You got to look at look at the words. So I've gone more um, usually when I'm emceeing a wedding. Let's be honest. I'm more bullet point guy. Hmm. No, yeah, I can't have the full thing in front of me. Like that, that's that's a nightmare. That's what what I'm seeing right there. That's a nightmare for yeah. me. Yeah, most that's it's, okay. it's mostly bullet points, but I like to have a little bit of uh, this is this was my thought at the time. Like I'll write down a full full sentences mm. of what I'm thinking. Like if I'm watching the game, I'll type it all out, and then I have that sentence, and then I go from the bullet points of my thoughts. I write thought triggers. Okay, um, but the problem is sometimes the thought doesn't trigger. <laughs> and I'll read it and I'll be like, I don't know what I was, what I'm meant to say here. <laughs> I don't remember. S- so, since we're here, this is okay. a complete aside. We're going to get to the battle, battle of Alberta, I promise. So the LFRs. Yes. You watch the Leafs game. Yes. You don't take notes or you, you put Usually down your thought no. trigger, triggers. Sometimes. Sometimes. And then you just go. And then I just go. So because your line is, if it's important to remember, I'll remember it. Yes. Which... Is not always true, but I'm usually very good at it. Okay. I'm usually very good. It's once every five or ten games, I'll forget something, but like it's usually not like crucial to the game. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember like silly, silly friggin' mistakes that I've made over the years. Like here's 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 an idea of like how tortured I am in remembering my own mistakes. There was a game, it might have even been LFR 1. It was LFR 1 or 2, and we're in LFR 15 now, where I looked at Jonas Frogren's ice time. Jonas Frogren, that's how far back we're going. I looked at Jonas Frogren's ice time, and he played like, it was like four minutes, and I was like, why is he even in the lineup? He's a defenseman. That's stupid that he's taking up a roster spot if you're only going to play him that amount of time. And all the comments are like, he was hurt, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're you're railing on a guy who's that uh, with an injury. Uh, it's just I just I missed it. I missed it. It's it's like uh, that dude from what was it BBC is is uh, oh yeah there was a red card and he's like oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> I don't I don't know that. You don't know that famous clip? Oh, no, you've definitely no. seen it. Where they go to the sideline reporter to ask him about a red card that just happened in a soccer game. Okay, and he's like there was. <laughs> And he looks behind him and he's counting the players and they're like, yeah, there was a red card. Count the players. There's not enough guys. He's like, yeah, no, I saw him go off, but I thought it, I thought there was a sub. That's a dude who needs to be better at his job. He still works there. <laughs> it's like it's BBC or Sky Sports. I can't remember. Right, right. Yeah, he still has his job. I watch it because now I'm into F1. So I watched all the races and all the practice and qualifying that stuff. So I watch a lot of Sky Sports randomly now because that's who uh, TSN usually brought yeah. rebroadcasts from. They're fantastic. Oh, what they, they do. They do great television. Oh, yeah. In Britain. Yeah, they do great television. Yeah, British TV. They've nailed it. Okay, so so follow up with your LFR. Sorry. So so you, you go just off the top of your dome like Jay-Z. You, you freestyle into the camera. Yep. So the the way because it's it's all it's it's beautiful products. Oh goodness, it's a beautiful you. product. But in the end, it kind of has like a, a story. The story of the game. It's all outlined there and kind of segments as well. It's it's beautifully done. Too long, some might say. But sometimes sometimes it's like twenty minutes. Sometimes it's ten. Who knows? Is what I really I really try to keep it short. How does how does Drew, your editor producer Drew, who started this season editing the LFRs, how does he feel about the way it's shot? Because you do it where you're you're stopping and starting each chunk? Not anymore. How does that work? Not anymore. So this is the first year ever where I haven't done that. 
Um, okay, so explain what you used to do and then what you do now. So what I used to do, and this would be easier editing for me, is I would shoot my take and I talk really fast. So sometimes I'll screw up once, twice, three times, four times. I've screwed up like 20 times. Mm -hmm. If it's got to be, sometimes I'll shoot it and it's got to be super fast, but it's a super long thing I have to say. And if you see that and you're like, how the hell did he do that? Just know that it took me like 10 or 15 takes <laughs> to actually get it. Um, but what I would do is stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. I would upload all the clips into iMovie, uh -huh. not even a good editing software. It was <laughs> iMovie. And I would just cut the top and tail, top and tail, top and tail. And I knew mm. that the vast majority of the time, um, the last take in the clip is the good one. Right. There were the, there was the rare occasion where... Like th this to me is far more impressive that I would remember this than any detail of the game. The video would have like a, like a hundred to 150 clips in it. And then I'd get to clip like 117 and I'd be like, oh yeah, I did five takes on this one. I got to take, take four. Uh, damn. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would do that and just top and tail, top and tail. I did that for the first like couple videos and Drew was like, please stop. Yeah. Put, please stop doing that. Oh, he, wow. He said, clap. So what I would do is I would clap. So I, I record the whole thing. And that's so counterintuitive for me because I have to send him the footage. And by recording one long thing, it actually, that's more footage and it's going to take longer to send to him. Yeah. But he said for him personally, um, his editing style or the software he uses or whatever, sending it uh, all one take and I'd go, blah, 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 clap, blah, 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 clap. He said uh that's much easier yeah it sounds like uh, from from the way i edit as well i i would prefer that way really yeah okay. it's why i i think it's just because because you have it all on the timeline yeah and then you can just you can just cut the space in between you can i can i can just do shortcuts on my keyboard and just go along the timeline and just cut the spaces and they'd all just clap together right you know? but then there's wouldn't you then also have all the mistakes like, how would you know what's a good take and what's a bad take? Do, do you not always just do the last one? Not always. This okay. is the thing, right? So and I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know how he would do it. I don't know how he does it. Maybe we'll bring on Drew to talk about how to how to edit the LFR. And well, you know? and it's tough for him because he doesn't get to ask me, mm -hmm. "Hey, did you mean to do this or this?" Because I'm asleep. Because <laughs> you send it and then you go to bed because it's usually like midnight. What's the whole point? <laughs> yeah. It's the whole point of getting someone to, you know, I don't stay up and then, you know, surf the internet till four in the morning because mm -hmm. the whole thing was like, I want to be a functioning adult in society. Mm -hmm. um, it was yeah. such a necessary step to, oh to get an editor. It's, it's a great decision. It's an unbelievable feeling. The fall was so nice. <laughs> Because I was still getting used to it. And the amount of times I would shoot and I'd finish and I'd be like, fuck, now I got to edit. No, I don't. Hey. Now, the only problem is now I stay up until it's fully sent to Drew. But I used to just like click send and go to sleep. But there were one or two times where there'd be like an error. Yeah. Or like, what if the power goes out? All right. No, or, that that may, staying up to see it send is just going to your kitchen and waiting around and leaving your computer. Like you're not doing anything. Playing Wordle. <laughs> playing Wordle. <laughs> I've never played Wordle. 
It's a very fun know. game. I don't really know what it is. I don't really care. I enjoy it. it very much. Okay, see, it's playing Wordle. It's not doing anything, you know. No. So it's it's good. Or playing video games sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's a. It's a. It's great. So last like forty minutes. Last question on this. Um. So you'd have originally before this year, you have your hundred and seventeen clips. Let's say something like that. Something like that. Two hundred clips. How long does that take you to edit? Once you're done shooting, how long would it take you to edit and get us to the upload part? Mm, that's a good question. That's a good, oh man. So I had, I had very tough editing decisions to make because a lot of those like rapid cut ones where like there was one where I pretended to like punch myself in the face with a hockey glove <laughs> or, um, you know, if I uh, superimpose like a, a photo, mm-hmm. like all of that, they would be decisions in the moment where I go, ugh, this is going to be really funny and it's going to make the video better, but it's going to make my life harder. <laughs> like, this is going to be harder to do. Especially because you're on iMovie. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's very basic editing. And if you were in something like Premiere, you could probably do that in like five seconds. The, oh my God. <laughs> like uh, bringing in an image and putting it in iMovie on top of your video is a difficult task. Dude, it's such a... <laughs> Or, and like the ones where like the image would go into a transition and, oh man, well, like what a pain in the ass. <laughs> and now I'll literally just tell Drew what to do. And he's, he's so good at following those instructions because, um, what I started to do as an editing technique, because I, it would just make certain clips funnier is, um, and like other YouTubers do it too. I would talk, talk, talk. And then oh god zoom into my whoops are you okay yeah yeah, yeah, no i'm fine you hit the mic for anybody uh listening zoom in the oh i'm sure they heard i would and and then it would zoom into my face for like emphasis or something like that um and then zoom back out and so i just tell them to do that now just be like hey i want this here i'm surprised so you know how i used to always leave my hand in because that would be an editing signal to myself this is where an image goes yeah and sometimes i would miss it right sometimes there would be in the lfr just a weird steve has his hand up on the screen yeah i can't believe drew (laughs) has never accidentally left in like okay drew and now put this here Mm. and then drew here uh put so the picture is going to go here and i'm going to point at it and then it's got to go away that's because it's his job and he's good at it um yeah well it's imagine you had an editor who had a bunch of mistakes well watching (laughs) drew do his job made me realize this is not my job (laughs) <laughs> and you should have stopped it a long time ago it's like you know how like some people are handy around the house but you wouldn't necessarily pay them to do it hmm. <laughs> like i can change a tire i am not getting hired by a mechanic you're not working at caa and driving around changing nope. tires. i'm not getting a job at midas <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, so you changed your tire once at home? Yeah. Oh, and you were so proud that you called your dad? Yep. And you were how old? Uh, 27. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> it's it's just, yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect to do this segment. This is fun. No, no, I, I really, I, I like these I like these discussions. People should uh, know how these sausages made sometimes. It's uh, a lot of fun. Let's do, let's do kick gate. Dude. Before we get into kick gate. One important thing to to say. We're, we're, yes, we are going to do the whole, it did Blake Coleman kick the puck, but Edmonton beats the Flames in overtime. McDavid scores. Absolutely. 5-4. It's a five-game series. The game was not lost because Blake Coleman's goal was taken back. 
The Calgary Flames had a 2-0 lead in Game 2. They had a 2-0 lead in Game 5. They had a 6-2 lead in Game 1. They had a which they, they won, ended up win, which they winning, won, but they only they only won one game in the entire series. Edmonton's first line combined for 25 points. I'm honestly in the last that's it. three games. Oh my god. Oh my god. In the last three games of the series, 25 points for the they, top line. They averaged over eight points each. Calgary's top line in the last three games, two points. Jake Markstrom had an 852 save percentage. Goudreau, I have a good friend. His name is Peter. He's from Calgary. He's a huge Flames fan. Peter he, Klein? No, no, no. My, oh. uh, my friend Peter Farrell. Oh, <laughs> Peter Klein, who does oh. Game Over Calgary. I was like, just say, <laughs> just say the Peter guy Klein. who does Game. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> Peter. I hope, I hope one day we're good friends. But I don't think I'd initially describe you as a good friend. I'd probably describe you as a host on the network. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We will be good friends. We yeah. could, we could. I, Peter, you're my good friend as well. You're he, invited to Schwollywood. He agreed that Johnny Goudreau looks scared at times in the last three games of that series well, he didn't want to hold on to the puck and, and that, that's I, bad because he was the best member of that line oh yeah kachuk non, non-existent no no those are the reasons the calgary flames lost the game and this not the game the series yeah. lindholm had a number of near misses yesterday he could have had a hat trick oh yeah and i he might have had two shots on goal that's why calgary lost but before we get into the series wrap-up, if mm-hmm. we want to hit it afterwards as well, what did you make of Blake Coleman's hopefully go-ahead goal that was taken back after the refs determined that it was a distinct kicking motion? He kicked the puck into the net, and the goal was not allowed. Well, it should also be mentioned that even if the goal stood, Edmonton could have tied it again. Yeah, there's still time. And frankly, the way the series has gone, I'd call it likely. Right. Um. It wasn't like it was overtime. In the moment mm-hmm. and on the stream, I thought for sure that was going to be a goal. It's crossing the line anyway. It's not a distinct kicking motion. And based on the games I have seen this season, remember the theme of the early part of the season? Like there's always officiating themes. And things seem to start creating a pattern. The pattern was nothing was a kick. Nothing was a distinct kicking motion worthy of calling a goal back. And the one, uh, there were a number of goals that counted that were going around Twitter yesterday. Mm -hmm. And one of them was the, and I forgot about this, the Chris Tierney. He boots the thing into the net against the Leafs. And it was at the height of Peter Mrazek getting, you know, crapped on. And everything. No, Jesse, we can't show the footage. <laughs> no, we're not showing it. I'm oh, just bringing okay. it up for us. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Um, but uh, yeah, he kicks the thing. Now, I think the argument at the time was his skate does not come off the ice, which is absurd. But then there's a goal against the Flames, ironically. I think it was Nate Thompson of the. I, I can't remember the name of the. What day did it happen? I don't know. <laughs> It happened on March 30th, 2021. Nate Thompson kicks a goal directly into the Boots net. shit. And this is the like, crazy thing. Like, he's messy. No, like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so the whole reason you're not allowed to kick pucks in, presumably, is you're wearing knife shoes, right? And you could 
cut someone's friggin' arm or leg. Yeah, or neck and Ronaldo or, over here is 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 foot a uh, foot off the ground. You should not be able to simply <laughs> like. Oh my god, that's a that's unbelievable. Wanna, I'm gonna put watching up a it still. Again. I'm gonna put up a still on the screen so people uh, watching on the YouTube channel can see how high Nate Thompson's foot oh, is like, off the ground after he connects with the puck. If that's a goal and Blake Coleman's isn't, I don't know what we're doing here, man. Right. I don't know what we're doing here. Now, wait, this couldn't have been this season. This must no, have been no. last. This was uh, 2021. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait a sec. There's no fans there. Yeah. Um, March of last year. His Oh, my God. His skate is a solid few inches off the ice. And I like, I don't care if he literally holds his leg up like a flamingo and it goes in off his leg. If, if there's no movement at all, okay, maybe he's kicking, he's kicking for the love of God. This is a distinct kicking motion for crying out loud for Pete's sake. And then Blake Coleman basically helps the thing across the line while, and this is important while tangled up with Cody Cece. Mm -hmm. While he doesn't have access to his other leg. Because no. it's 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 against the goalie and against CC. It's trapped. No, so like, I don't know, just fly into the goalpost then <laughs> and lose all your teeth then. Like right. I I so in the moment last night, I thought it was clearly a goal. I slept on it, watched it again this morning, and you know what? I actually think it's more of a goal this morning than it was oh, last night. Oh, I didn't think that's what you were going to say. <laughs> Dude, again, no cheering interest in the, listen, I work at Sportsnet and we were like, hey, a Canadian team guaranteed in the final four. Hooray. And I was happy to follow the flames into the conference final. I believe me, there are people who are happy that Connor McDavid is in the final four. There's finally. some executives who are like, yes, TV yeah, ratings. Absolutely. <laughs> and like, you're going to listen, a lot of people are going to be like, eh, you know, I don't really give a shit about the Oilers, but eh, Connor McDavid, he mm -hmm. might do something crazy, so I'm going to tune in. Um, ah, that's a goal. It's a goal. The, the Flames, not of the game, but of the goal, were robbed. Yes. And I want to know your thoughts on this part, because I find this part of the interpretation of the rule the most egregious thing. So... The NHL released a statement oh, on, on the call here, and uh, I'm going to bring it up if you'll give me a second. Well, this is great, because then we get to get into a conversation that we seem to have so often with the National Hockey League. So all the refs can do is enforce the rules, but then we get into the conversation of what the rules are and what the rules should be. Like, I look at the Nate Thompson kick in goal. And I look at the Chris Tierney goal and I look at the Blake Coleman, no goal. And I, as a fan say, I don't care what the rule is. I care about common frigging sense. And either all of those are goals or none of them are. I'm okay with it. Not counting, but the precedent is it clearly should count based on the ones that have counted. Here is the official rule that the NHL says Blake Coleman violated. A goal cannot be scored on a play where an attacking player propels the puck with his skate into the net using a distinct kicking motion. A puck that deflects into the net off of an attacking player's skate who does not use a distinct kicking motion shall be ruled a goal. 
my problem with the it deter the the interpretation of the rule is that at no point did Blake Coleman kick. No, <laughs> Chris Tierney boots the thing with the toe of his skates, and it counted. Oh, that's ri- that's a ridiculous call. The I- it's a ridiculous call. I understand the argument that Coleman in the moment is such a high performance athlete. He's one of the best hockey players in the world just sure. by the metric of being in the National Hockey League. Sure. He's top 0.0% of athletes in the world. Yep. He can, in the moment, know that there's a puck there. It's a couple inches from the line. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my skate next to it. And it's going to push it a little bit over the line. Or how about he's flying forward anyway, and I'm literally just going to extend just my gonna leg. just going to go by it. Yeah. yeah. He, okay. You want to say he did that? I'll accept that argument. Sure. I don't think he did, but like, okay, I'll accept it. Sure. He, all, he didn't kick it then. No. Th- doing that, extending his leg and touching the puck over the line still isn't a kick. It's a nonsense. And the only call. way you should overrule this call, the call on the ice was a clear goal. Yeah. The the ref pointed to the net and said goal. So Wes ha- McCauley and Eric Furlat, two so of the you, most experienced guys in the league. You have to have indisputable evidence to overturn a call. It can't be up for debate. And what happened there is clearly up for debate. Yep. It's clearly not distinct kicking, well, which f- is the rule. They felt different. Now, we we had this discussion before the game. Yeah. Is, is it the war room in Toronto or the officials? And you said what? I'd love to know. Well, you said, but you think it's in <laughs> conjunction. I think, uh, I don't know the actual who makes the final call or how it works, but... I thought the way he, uh, Wes McCauley was looking at the iPad and the way they had the camera uh, shoot over to Toronto and the guy in the war room with the 80 TVs. Oh, man. <laughs> First, we got to get them a better thing to watch. Oh, yeah. On. Oh, yeah. That's absurd. Oh, yeah. So I think they're talking. It's like, it's like your, hold your iPad up. Yeah. It's That's like, what they're using. This is the iPad Pro. Like it's, it's 12 inch, it's 10 inches. I think that's, that's kind of what they're using to make this call that impacts like millions of dollars in a whole hockey game. And and they're <laughs> making it on like a Nintendo switch. Yeah. Dude. A Nintendo DS. Let's go even it, further back. Oh my God. It's so <laughs> bad. So I think the, the call is made in conjunction with the refs and Toronto. I think they talk it through. Why would you not? You know, it's oh, two people you want to talk about it. And then I don't know how you come to that conclusion. It's a horrible call. Also. When, did you? So you're you have the broadcast on, but you can't hear it, right? When they, so I was shocked <laughs> when they go when Wes McCauley goes over to the penalty box to look at the replay. The broadcast thought it was for offsides. Yes, so they showed that, and then I was like, "Oh well, it's clearly not offside." It was it was kind of close, but but with the new rule, the uh, what, what the the line goes to the roof, right? But they called that something. Ah, I can't remember. Whatever. The blue line goes to the roof. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Manjapani they were looking at. He ended up being onside. My point with that is nobody knew that Coleman could have kicked the puck in. Like the initial thought of like every the, the um, Rudy uh, doing the co- the color commentary, the the camera people in the truck. I haven't was heard that, any of this. That's funny. Was that hey? Oh, it's off. Let's let's go look. They're taking a look at offside. Wes McCauley's looking at the offside. Let's go to the offside replay and see if he was offside. And they're like, oh, wait. 
He's actually reviewing the kick? Well, okay, so in fairness to the, not the Edmonton Oilers, the Oilers have nothing to do with it. Like, they're not guilty or innocent. They have no involvement in the play. It's, it's It's the Flames versus the officials. And the second I saw the replay, and it goes off Coleman's skate. I'm like, oh, they're going to review this. Oh, you that was your first thought? Yeah. My first thought was they're going to review this and it'll count. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It should have been. I don't know. Because they usually say the longer the review takes, the more likely it is they're going to go with the call on the ice. Um, I, I just don't understand how it's, a, how it's not a goal, man. Where do they go from here? Who's they? The NHL. Do they make changes to the rule? <sighs> what changes need to be made? Literally just enforce the thing consistently. It makes no sense that Chris Tierney's goal counts. It makes no sense that Nate Thompson's goal counts. And there was another one. Chandler Stevenson against the Seattle mm-hmm. Kraken. Um, which is like, if, if, if the puck is on your instep, right on the inside of your foot and you flick your foot inward, they would call that a distinct kicking motion. Chandler Stevenson flicks his foot the other way on the outside of his foot and it's fine. Well, like we need to get to the crux of what, what is the problem that you have with goals being kicked in? Why aren't you allowed to do that? Is it the it's s- dangerous? Right. We can't. We can't. As a as a sport, you can't have guys going around trying to kick pucks with knife shoes on. I'm okay with Blake Coleman's goal not counting, but none of those other ones are allowed. <laughs> then they should all be banned. They should either all be banned or all count. Yeah. And with the precedent the NHL set. There's no way that's not a goal. I don't know if if you're listening. I don't know if you remember the Chandler Stevenson goal, but yeah, we can't show it's it to you, but. it's uh it's an egregious outside of the foot kick. He clearly has. He takes no. Uh, he makes no attempt to play the puck with his stick. No, he plays the puck with the outside of his foot and he directs it into the net. The effort from Philip Grubauer on this shot is shocking <laughs> the lack of effort the lack of effort like <laughs> like i part of me wonders if they're like yeah you know what that's clearly a kick but this goalie stinks oh yeah <laughs> like dude so he was so bad this stevenson season. redirects it with the outside of his foot yep why is this a goal and coleman's isn't it? i don't know that's well and we don't know the rules i'm trying to think and obviously the majority of the games i watch are leaf games um i i i don't remember who it was i want to say matthews maybe but he had a goal on his instep and it's it's this exact play from stevenson except the 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 difference is uh the puck is on the outside of his foot rather than the inside they're both flicks they're both little flickies the rule doesn't describe inside outside foot it just says don't distinctly kick it who's to say what is and isn't a distinct like i'm saying we the rule is greatly left up to interpretation why can't we use common sense Mm. like uh like I, i go back to the tyranny one well his skate doesn't leave the ice okay fine 
but he kicked it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you can... I can kick Jesse in the toe right now. Don't do that. I won't. But I could slide my foot across the floor, and you'd be like, ow, did you just redirect me? <laughs> and you say, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, distinct kicking motion, no, so it's allowed. It's fine. I can hurt you. It's fine. In, <laughs> in UFC, oh, man, I've seen some crazy redirections. Also, if, if that's how we want to interpret the rule... The, to stop on your skate, you don't really leave the ice a lot of the time. Like it slides across the ice. They're skates. If yeah. you're telling guys they can kick with if their if their skate doesn't leave the ice, they're gonna do it. Blake Coleman is perfectly entitled to position his feet the way that they were, and at that point in the ice, like yeah. he can put his skate there. He's on his way to falling down, and he does fall down. And CC had already fallen. Yeah. And like I, part of me was like, "Are they going to review for goalie interference?" But they didn't. Mm -mm. They didn't. Ah, I don't get it. I it's to me, it's the wrong call. Edmonton won. Edmonton was the better team. Edmonton still might have won had this goal have counted. I'm not trying to take a thing away from the Oilers, but on this particular goal, I think the Flames got robbed. What are your takeaways from the rest of the series? I did my thing off the top before we got into that. What are your thoughts? Man, Jay Woodcroft is a huge difference for this team, eh? People are also... I can tell who is and isn't watching the Oilers um, based mm. on the conversation around them because uh, I'm seeing a lot of people... Like, Dr Dreisaitl literally broke a record. Um, he's the first player in NHL history to have three-plus points in five straight games, I yes. believe. McDavid is still the best player in this series. Mm-hmm. Because he's taking two players, two players who are injured and giving them legendary numbers. Uh, Evander Kane is on a pace. I read somewhere he's on a goal scoring pace in the Stanley Cup playoffs that we haven't seen since uh, Alexander Ovechkin the year the Capitals won the Cup. Damn. He's, he's at 12. So, and they've won two series. So in theory, by the time they win the Stanley Cup, he could have 23 or sorry, 24. He could have more goals in these playoffs than he did in the regular season, <laughs> which we have seen before, but not in uh, the 20s. You know, it's like, oh, some guy had seven goals in the regular season and oh man, look at the playoff he had. He has eight or whatever. Um, but McDavid does so much for this line. Leon Dreisaitl can't move. He's, I have so much admiration for how Frigging brilliant this player is. He's always in the right spot because he has no choice but to be in the right spot because there's the margin for error in his movements is zero. What is the official diagnosis? Sprained right ankle? I don't know. Something with one of his ankles. He, my favorite thing to watch with him is his line changes because hmm. he hobbles to the bench after every shift. He's broken. And we, we talked about this last show. I don't know how he's going to do this for another month. Like the Oilers, you know, everyone's feeling happy. Oh, we're down to the final four. So when you put it as the Oilers are in the final four, it seems like they're really close. And they are. They're closer than almost every other team. They're still halfway there. 14 games is the maximum they can play for the rest of the playoffs. That's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. 14 games, games on, a, on a busted foot. They need eight more wins. Mm -hmm. And... I like, dude, um, it's, it's not just the games it's, he's got a, 
surely he's going to like walk to go get coffee, <laughs> get up in the morning, put yeah. on his shoes. Yeah, he doesn't like, live the rest of his life in a wheelchair or on crutches, you know? He, he, he does stuff. He's in pain. Yeah. Like that's why, that's part of the re- reason why I sympathize so much with Jack Eichel through the, the con, uh, not contract dispute, like the, the trade demand with the Buffalo Sabres. It wasn't just a trade demand. It was he wanted to get a certain type of surgery. And every moment and every day that he woke up not having that surgery was a day where his neck pained him, where he probably couldn't drive the way he wanted to, where he probably had shitty sleep. You ever try to have a a good sleep with a sore neck? Not easy. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, Dreisaitl is... I mean, all these guys are dealing with ridiculous pain. Did you see... What uh, Chris Tanev is dealing with? No, dude's got broken. He's diagnosed with a broken everything. <laughs> okay. He shouldn't have been playing. Let me see what what the <laughs> the official word is. You got to see it. But uh, to finish what I was saying, like Connor McDavid is making his line mates better. Um, Drysidle is playing brilliant hockey. The fact he's able to put these numbers up while so busted is nothing short of heroic, but we know who's driving the bus here mm-hmm. and it's one guy and it's Connor McDavid and the flames. You can see like dry was not getting suckered into carrying the puck. He did mm, two or three times in the game. So they would try to get Kane to carry it in, but Kane was effective. He was effective at carrying it. Kane in. was absolutely fabulous. Let me, uh, and when those are your options, like God, those that's, that's a wretched trio to deal with. Here's the Chris Tanev injury from Rick Dollywall. Chris Tanev had a torn labrum, a separated shoulder, and a sprayed neck. He'll go in for surgery next week. He was playing hockey that way. Dude. At the highest level. And he was messed up. Like you saw a few times he would take a hit and go back to the bench and they'd be working on him. But work on what? Work on what? How do you... you uh, uh, there's no massaging a tear. A torn labor. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh my God. Hockey players are ridiculous. And he was effective. Mm-hmm. I thought he was an effective player. Maybe not as much as he would be. But one of the criticisms with his deal was, oh boy, that's a really long deal. This guy's got hard miles. Those miles just got harder. This might be soft of me. You know, some stronger man might call me soft. But... I wish there was a little bit more protection from team doctors of somebody who was going through this and trying to play on the ice. I struggle with it. There's certain injuries I don't think you should be allowed to play through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the decision should be taken out of your hands. One of them is a concussion. Yes. Um, and the other, and I don't remember who the player was. Uh, I remember this happened to Patrice Bergeron in 2013, and I think there was a player this year. A punctured lung <laughs> on more than one occasion. Look it up. Look at it. Someone. Oh, man. You said it was Bergeron? It was Bergeron in 2013. Go look up Bergeron like the after the Bruins were done in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. The list of injuries. Someone, I want to say it was with the score in Toronto, wrote an article like basically about like, dude, he could have died. You know? But if a guy wants to play with a sprained neck. If he wants to play with a torn labrum, a separated shoulder. 
Uh, I don't know. Jack Eichel played the last 26 games of the season with a broken thumb. Do you remember that? That came out a couple weeks ago. So we neglected to talk about that. Because um, it, it like broke on like a Friday. I think we just forgot about Monday came around. Yeah, yeah. like that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like coming fresh off of neck surgery, hasn't played hockey in months and months. And then he played the majority of it with a broken thumb. Because he, like, he refused to miss more time. Yeah, and we're like, oh, Jack Eichel, loser. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we got on him for not having the best uh, time in Vegas, like performance in Vegas. He could have gone on LTIR. Yeah. For them, he would have, the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights would have been 100% justified, which to me lends to more questions. They were looking for guys to put on LTIR, and they didn't put him there. Why? He wanted to play. He wanted to play. Yeah, but again, like, is he one of your best players with a broken thumb? Mm-hmm. And if so, do you think that might be a problem? So Bergeron back in 2013. This is Greg Wasinski when he was writing for Yahoo. Oh, wow. This is way, way back. Uh, already established, Bergeron suffered through a broken rib, torn cartilage, and muscle, muscle tissue, and a separated shoulder. Ow. Uh, which he injured in Monday night's game, game six lost to the Blackhawks. And then Shirelli confirmed Wednesday that doctors also found a small puncture in his lung. Bergeron was taken to the hospital following game six, where they discovered the hole in his lung. The team was unclear as to when or how the lung was punctured, though it was likely from a needle as a means of freezing the cartilage or from his broken rib. <laughs> So he had all of those things plus a punctured lung and he played a game of hockey. I just, I just, it's important that teams have trainers and doctors. I don't think a team doctor in hockey or any sport can properly do their job. Because if you go, yeah, Bergeron can't play and the Bruins lose the Stanley Cup. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. So you're definitely going to be getting pressure from the player, probably from the coach, probably from the GM, probably from the owner. Uh, And then you got to deal with the potential backlash of the fans, because if they're mad at you, they'll leak that it was your decision. Or they might just straight up say the doctor said he can't go. The coaches say that all the time. Babcock was big on that. Yeah. yeah. I don't. If he's available, he'll play. If yeah. he's not, he won't. They tell me. They tell me. That, oh. Underratedly kind of. You're taking side shots. Yeah. Like, there's a, yeah, there's a subtext there. Mm-hmm. For sure. There's a sub. If this guy doesn't play tonight, it's not my fault. It's their fault. <laughs> it's, it wasn't my call. It wasn't my call. Yeah. And it's, and it becomes a more difficult decision. Uh, to me, like, you got to. I think you got to take that decision mm-hmm. out of the doctor's hands. Like they can't be employed by the team. Listen, what is a hockey team there to do? Win hockey games. Yep. Entertain fans. Yep. Play hockey. Yep. So that's, it. <laughs> no, that's it. So let's say Patrice Bergeron is at 70%. Is he still not one of the better players in the National Hockey League? Oh, yeah. Is he still not one of the better players on the Bruins? Oh, yeah. Does it hurt the Bruins if a 70% Patrice Bergeron is out of the lineup? Yes. So the team doctor is directly acting against the team's goal. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no. So that's a team employee. You no, they mm-hmm. cannot be taxed with that decision. It's so tough too, because like, let's say you broke your thumb. Like, let's say you're you're Steve Dangle, you break your thumb, and then you go to your doctor, and you're like, oh, I got my broken thumb, and be it's gonna heal in I don't know four weeks or whatever. No, and you say I'm also gonna I'm gonna go out on Saturday and play hockey with my buddies. You're like, no, don't do that. Yeah, no, Steve, they'd be like, stay you're, home. You're a moron. Yeah, these guys. They break their thumb and they're like, all right, I can find a way to play. It's such a different circumstance and world. Like, okay, your job doesn't depend on playing hockey, but the medical decision is that you leave it to heal. And they're not making just strictly medical decisions. They're making decisions, but also trying to find a way to get this guy to play. So if it's possible to do both, heal it and play, they're going to find a way to do that. And like, I think it's okay to play with certain injuries Yeah, and you know, especially if the player wants to, the player has to want to, if they're being pressured or coerced into doing it, I think that's very problematic, but Chris Tana probably wanted to play. Yeah. Cause there's, there's a thing we we've talked about several times where if, if, if a player wants to be out for the rest of the year, they can say, okay, I got this. I'm done. Evander came with the jets. Evander came with the jets. Yep. And now I don't want to play the last 15 games. I'm going to go get surgery on this thing that I've had for the last month, last yep. year. Yep. They can just make those calls. Isn't, isn't a torn labrum what was screwing up? Um, didn't Robin Lanner have a torn labrum? There's something with the shoulder. I don't remember. I yeah. I don't but that, that was another case where it's iffy on if he needs the surgery now or if we can delay it and he can still play. Yeah. And you're playing through, not just playing through pain, you're living through pain. And then your uh, coach takes a shit on you in the media. And you're like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm going to go have surgery. Yeah. What am I doing this for? Why am, I, why am I sleeping uncomfortably? Again, this is his shoulder. So this is screwing up every aspect of his life. It's screwing up his nights and his mornings. It's screwing up the way he starts every single day. And then he drives to practice where he's going to be in pain. And then he spends his time after practice getting treatment on that shoulder. Because he's in pain. And then he shows up to the arena for the game and he probably gets some work done because he's in pain. Then he plays in pain. And then after the game, he gets some work done in pain. And then he tries to sleep through the pain. Oh, but our goalie was second best tonight. Fuck you. If I'm Robin Leonard, you know what I mean? Like I a hundred percent see uh, why he was like, no, no, you know what? I'm getting surgery. Fuck yeah. off. And there's, there's a reason DeBoer's not in Vegas anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and to, to even sit there on the bench. Oh, well, he's not going to play for like cap reasons. I, again, I'm still sitting there and I'm in pain every day. So when a player like Chris Tanev is willing to make the sacrifice of playing through that pain, it's not just playing mm-hmm. through that pain. Like these guys have kids, mm-hmm. dude. Uh, like. my wife has come to me and she's been like, Oh my God, like I'm something's out. Something's messed up. And I'll be like, what did you do? And she'll be like, well, I've been holding Leo on my side on this one side basically every day for a month or no, you know what it was? It was, he was sick and off from daycare. So she took some time off and she was basically handling him the whole time. And like injured herself as a result. So like, if you have a kid, and I don't remember if Chris Tanev does, but like you can't play with your kid the way that you want to. You can't load your kid into a car. What do you do about groceries? 
yeah, maybe someone delivers them to you who puts them in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just every aspect of your life is painful until you get this sorted out. You know what? It's all for the cup. It's all for the, <laughs> and listen, if you're willing to do that, <laughs> yeah. fine. But if I say I want to get this fixed, you get out of my face. I'm you getting this fixed. You don't tell me anything. Yeah. Yeah. You don't tell me anything. And also you don't give me any shit about my performance either. Sorry, I'm talking myself into being mad at Pete DeBoer. <laughs> yeah, like, am I doing this, this with Robin Leonard right now? Yeah, this little side <laughs> conversation. No, because that's crazy that he did that. It's, it's yeah. dude, every aspect of my life fucking sucks right now. And you're chirping me because our team lost 4-3. Well, why did we lose 4-3 there, Pete? Because I'm fucked. He does, Play when the he, other guy if you don't like you me. outline everything that's going on with Robin Leonard and like a, just an injured player's life, Peter Boer deserves to be skewered for saying shit. Like, how dare you? You've never hurt yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, like, man, you ever try to get through a day after like cutting a toenail too short? <laughs> like, or even like you have a, like Adam right now, he's, he's got his, he's got sore throat and runny nose. And like, it's a hard life. <laughs> yeah. But like, for a guy who talks for a living, yeah. I lost my voice during the first round and I was like, oh, this is going to complicate it. Now imagine your labrum is torn. Yeah. Like, Dude, I started to lose my voice while recording the audiobook. And I was like, I literally can't do this. You like, got to pause. No, no. Like, I, no, I can't lose my voice. So I stopped talking. I stopped talking. I was drinking tea 24 7 because it's not just like, there's too many people involved in this process for me to halt the entire damn thing. And like, I'm not Robert Pattinson. I can't be like, sorry guys, I'm a megastar. <laughs> we need production. to delay Batman. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you couldn't even take a pause. You had to find other ways in your life to stop every talking and then continue the book. Just drink a shitload of tea and coconut oil and hope for the best. And I made it through it. But yeah, I mean, that wasn't pain. That was mm-hmm. now we're, now we're getting completely sidetracked, but, um, yeah, there's certain injuries I think players should be able to make that decision on. There's certain injuries where they shouldn't. 